0: It was actually uttered. Jamie Lee has been so annoying ever since her mom died.
1: Stop. (laughs) I know. Can you believe that? Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss, a podcast about grief and loss and the laughter and growth that you can have along the way. I'm your host, Gianna DiMedio. One of the very first things I will recommend to someone looking for advice on how to cope with grief is this. Get it out. You are doing yourself no favors by holding it in or not taking the time to process the feelings that come along with grief. You can do that in a myriad of ways, and one of which that we'll talk about today is writing. Lately, time is a rarity, and I've been focusing a little more on the podcast, but So Sorry for Your Loss did start out as a blog. The summer my dad passed away, I read a lot of books to escape my own reality, and I also wrote a lot to free myself of those thoughts and feelings that were basically suffocating me from the inside out. Writing definitely helps. If you don't like writing, don't worry. I don't expect you to sit down and write full novels or essays. You don't need to turn this into a chore. It's as simple as this. Start a notepad on your phone and just jot down your thoughts whenever it feels right. I did this, and I found it incredibly helpful for a few reasons. The obvious being it's a quick resource to help you release the emotions from your head. You can do it anywhere or anytime that you have your phone on you. For many of you, that's probably like literally 24-7. You're most likely listening to this on your phone at this very second. And it's a great point of reference for you to be able to go back and read the thoughts and feelings you had previously and see how you've grown or acknowledge the things that you might still need to work on. There can be a lot of benefits to writing, and today's guest, Jamie Lee Jocelyn, is here to discuss. Jamie Lee works for the University of Pennsylvania as the Associate Director for Recruitment, and she's an instructor in the Creative Writing Program. Her own writing has appeared in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Cleaver Magazine, and the New Republic. She lost her mother to suicide when she was just 12 years old. She hosts her own podcast about loss called The Dead Parent Society, a little play on Dead Poets Society, where guests discuss the written word of those who are grieving. So I'm here with Jamie Lee. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm sitting here in my Sixers shirt because I wanted to make (laughs) sure that Jamie Lee saw it. She is a Celtics fan. You have family that's That's from New England? Yes, I grew up in New England. I was born in
0: Massachusetts. Both of my parents are from Massachusetts and we lived there till I was four. Then we moved to New Hampshire and I lived there till I graduated high school and moved to Philly to go to college. I moved to Philly actually in 2001. I remember my aunt said to me on the phone one time, well, you're still rooting for the Patriots, right? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, of course. And I actually think there was something about me living
1: here that made me double down as a Boston Mm -hmm. fan and Boston and Philadelphia are both so similar. They both have extreme passion for their teams. So I could see how you got here, wanted to double down because you probably had a ton of Philly people in your face (laughs) and it only made you feel Mm -hmm. more allegiance to your team. From your younger years, we talked about you being in New England. Mm -hmm. Um, What was your family life like? So I'm an only child. So Me too. Sh- oh gosh. That's why we get along. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So yes, so it was just me and my parents. I wouldn't have thought this was different probably up until I was, I don't know, at least college age or maybe even a little older, but my parents were very young when they had me. So my dad was 22 when I was born and my mom was 21. So oh, yeah. quite young, extremely young, I would say mm-hmm. at, at this point. I'm 37 now, so, and I don't have kids and I don't know if I'm going to have kids, but the fact that I'm still even figuring that out, given how much older I am than my parents were when they had me, you know, that gives me a lot of perspective at this point in my life. When I think back on them, they were both kind of in the service industry and they both worked really hard. When I was about a year old, they moved to a town in Northern Massachusetts called Amesbury and they lived there for a while. And I think, I think they were just like really determined to kind of do their own thing, like mm-hmm. even though they just moved an hour away from the family, it was actually kind of a big deal to move to a different part of the state. Most of my family had all kind of stayed around where they all had grown up. All of my grandparents had grown up right around the town where where my parents so it had been also like multiple generations, right? Too. Multiple generations, you know, going back, I think quite a way is sometimes I've actually joked like, yeah, you know, we were probably like pilgrims and we just stayed like <laughs> until, but I don't, I don't think that's true. We got right? there and said, yeah. this is fine. Right. This'll this is do. great. <laughs> um, you
1: know,
0: go, go Pats. Um, but so my, and then my parents, you know, they bought a house in Southeastern New Hampshire. I think that was a big deal. You know, they were quite young. I was like four. So they're like 25 buying a house. I mean, that was a big deal, you know? And again, working really hard the way it often was, was that my dad worked during the day and he would go to work pretty early in the morning. And then my mom would waitress. So she would often be working in the evenings and they were like ships passing in the night for a lot of my childhood and you know I imagine that was that was tough but I think they were just really focused and really committed and I think something that I inherited from both of them is that like worker bee nature you Mm -hmm. know which is mostly a a blessing and occasionally a curse like Mm -hmm. just back off a little bit or learn how to say no or Mm -hmm. you know be a little kinder to yourself When I was growing up, we joked a lot, we laughed a lot, we liked sarcasm, we liked humor, you know, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, kind of on the other side of that, there were some tough things. My mom struggled with alcoholism, and I think that was something that developed, or at least started to develop before I was even born. It didn't show up every day, but she wasn't the type of person who drank every day, for instance, but she would you know, she would have good days and bad days. And so that was something that, I mean, I have some pretty early memories.
1: So then when you were 12 years old, you lost mm, your mom.
0: Yeah. Tell me about that. So when I was, which tr- is very young, very young, very young, right, right. I, yeah, I think I thought I was an adult at the time, but I was not.
1: Um, but, but that, that's interesting that you say that. Cause I do think that is something with only children. You grow up a lot faster. Right. I mean, my mom likes to joke with me that I didn't like kids when I was a kid right? because oh, totally. I was just around adults all the time. There
0: was nothing I resented more than the kids table. I'll tell you that <laughs> right now. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so when I was 12, my mom died by suicide and, you know, she had had a lot of things just not go well for her in that year on the day she died she was actually supposed to be in court for something that had happened a few months prior but i just think that she felt like she had run out of options the choice she made is not a rational one too so i don't want to pretend to sound like here is exactly why she did what she mm-hmm. did or here is mm-hmm. how we can all understand it but i do have a feeling that she felt and i i would beg to differ about this but i think she felt like She was a burden and, you know, like she needed to just not be a part of the equation or something. Right. I have a feeling, just given some of the details that I won't go into, just I had a feeling that this was a plan she had had. I mean, it's heartbreaking and it's heartbreaking for her and for all of us. I don't mean this to sound like I'm condoning what she did because I don't, but I feel like it at least makes sense to me that she felt
1: the way she did, you know, I completely understand what you're trying to say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wish she didn't feel that way. Right. But I think sometimes with suicide, people can be a little reductive and just, just say really, really simple things about things getting better or things are better with you here. And, you know, I think given the circumstances that I'm outlining, like it, was very clear that things were going to be bad for a mm-hmm. long time. And mm-hmm. I understand to the degree that I can that it was going to be really hard for her to get things right, yeah. you know, for herself and for the rest of us.
1: And for people to feel that that suicide is their only option, it's really sad that people are this sick, right. that they feel that they are doing a favor right. to people in their family. They've gotten to a point where they think that them staying around and staying alive is making the lives around them right. so much worse. I want to take this as an opportunity to talk about suicide in itself because death and, and grief are a very difficult topic for people to talk about, which is why I have this podcast mm-hmm. in the first place. And mm-hmm. you yourself have your podcast mm-hmm. at Parent Society, both of which are Changing the conversation around grief. Mm -hmm. Suicide, I think, is another topic. So it's wrapped kind of within death. There's a lot for the public to kind of learn about how to approach it. But my day job, I work closely with a couple psychiatrists that handle suicide. And Mm -hmm. I set them up with media interviews. And one of the things that they're trying to train the media is it's not that a person committed suicide. Because that is something you're placing so much blame on on the person or some people call it selfish sometimes yes, which
0: you hear that often too I mean you know I think people would probably understand what I was just describing my mother's act was not selfish at all if anything I think she felt like this was and it's very sadly and again I would beg to differ but I think she thought this was the best thing she could do for my father and me and perhaps for others in our family mm-hmm. you know
1: yeah. So they say they want to train the media to say that someone died by suicide. Right. So with that in mind, are there other things about suicide that you think it's important for people to know, what are good ways to broach the topic or anything right. like that that you feel is helpful?
0: Yeah, that's that's a good question. First of all, just being willing to talk about it. If a person doesn't want to talk about it or doesn't want to say all the things there are to say about it, they'll probably let you know, but I think just like with other kinds of grief. We're also used to being tiptoed around or being handled like we're going to break. I think that maybe just being willing to hear some of the tough details of everybody's story Mm -hmm. and just be like a good listener through that is something that's important.
1: I want to go back to age quickly. So Mm -hmm. 12 years old, very young, despite the fact that at the time you thought you were an adult and you thought that (laughs) you were, you know, becoming the woman of the house probably and and taking over as part of processing your grief. Did you get to a point later in life where you said to yourself, you were just a child around the time that it happened and
0: probably for years after you know, I remember right around the time when she died when we had a wake and the funeral and all that stuff, people would say to me, like, Oh, and and for you at this age, and like that's one of those things that's like, Well, I don't really know how to be any other age, right? Mm-hmm. Now. And I also mm-hmm. felt like an adult. So mm-hmm. I was sort of like, Don't talk about my age. I'm your age. We're all the same yeah. age, you know? <laughs> like, um and then even for years after that, I would hear people say, Oh, and at that age, you know, and I, I think what they meant was I was a young adolescent. Seventh grade is hard enough. We all probably oh, get yeah. that, right? <laughs> like I had zits. Um, I, you know, I was kind of chubby. I had like a weird perm. So, <laughs> so you know, there was, there was a lot happening. But I, I don't know that there was like a moment where I said, oh my gosh, I was just a kid. But at some point when I would start seeing like 12-year-olds around, I would just be like, oh shit. You yeah. know, like, yeah, like whenever it was that I was old enough to recognize how young a twelve-year-old is, right? Then I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I get it, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, seventh graders through twelfth graders, if not older, your emotions are big at right. that time in your life too. So, right. um, a boy looks at you wrong, and like your whole
1: week is shot. Oh, yeah, for so. sure. Or like.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You just like decide you're in a fight with a friend. Yes. Like you just decide.
1: Right. How dare you wear pink on the same day <laughs> right. that I did? Right. Right. What were you thinking? Right. Or just like,
0: oh, she's been so annoying lately, <laughs> you know? And that was actually something that happened not right after my mother died, but a few like later in seventh grade. There was actually a friend who decided she wasn't going to be friends with me anymore. And it was actually like,
1: you couldn't hear that, but I just had a massive eye roll. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was actually uttered. Jamie Lee has been so annoying ever since her mom died.
1: Stop. I know. Can you believe that? And, you know, Are I, you still pr- friends with this person today? I actually am. And... <gasps> um, have you ever let her live that down? I mean... Like, now is it, like, a thing you can say in, like, a joking way we to We could each other, probably right? joke about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're... Because uh, clearly, as we say, you know, 12 years old, she doesn't right. understand. And
0: also, this poor girl, like, it probably was annoying. Like, if you think about it, she's right. like, this is, like, way above my pay grade you know (laughs) like like I'm just trying to like play mall madness which was a a wonderful board game of the 1990s and uh you know have me over to like I don't know watch the Hanson music video or something like yeah like it what the hell suicide like we're not supposed to have to talk about that I mean obviously it would be much different if you were you know 25 or 35 and your friend was like wow she has been awful ever since this horrible thing happened but I really do think it's kind of funny, but it's also that same friend probably would have done that if none of this had happened. And I had just, you know, worn the wrong like gap sweatshirt on the wrong day or something. (laughs)
1: like More of a sign of the age than it is a sign of the person or your friendship. Totally. Another age I want to talk about is 33. So Mm -hmm. your mother was 33 when she passed away. How was your 33rd year? In an article that you had written for the Literary Hub, you had mentioned being 33 at the time that you were instructing a class right. at the university that you speak at and learning of a student's suicide right, right, right. and you know how to deal with telling the class, you know making sure that you know that their emotions and their feelings were heard, right. and dealing with you know, whether to share what you had gone through. And then- kind of that moment I'm reading this article and you say, and at this very moment, I'm the age in which my mother died by the same way. And it was like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that must've been one very powerful moment, but I'm sure. And I'm curious, what was that whole year like for you?
0: Yeah. The year was, it was okay. (laughs) It
1: did okay. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, with that piece that you're in that story, that situation that you're referring to, like you summarized, we were in class. It's a three hour class. We took a break. Everybody looks at their email, and we have an email that says that a student had died. I don't remember if the email said it or if we all then looked up something or the newspaper had reported it or whatever. But you know, here I am reconvening class with this news, and in that moment i I was of course thinking about my own situation, but I chose not to mention it to the students in that moment, and the reason was. I didn't, first of all, know if any of them knew this student who had so sadly died, and so I didn't know how acute the grief in the room might be, like, was I going to need to get a student to a counseling center? What was the situation going to be like, or was there another student maybe who didn't know the person but who had their own past experience with right. this or something, or was there a student who was dealing with their own depression or mental health issues? So there were a lot of a lot um, of layers to that right. my like game time decision there was. It doesn't make sense to put my grief out in the room even though it wasn't like I was I wasn't going to break down in tears right then but I didn't want to add another level to this whole thing. So I think all I said to them was, you know, I've been through something like this in my family or, you know, in a very kind of vague and controlled way, which I thought was a brilliant way to handle that. I definitely want to oh, applaud you for that. Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, like I said it was just kind of what felt right in the moment and it did feel like I wanted to give some kind of signal that even though I'm not a mental health
1: professional or anything, that I kind of had a little experience. I've been there. Yeah. yeah and if so, anybody needs to open up, I am somebody that can understand. Right. Exactly. But I didn't want to
0: put that big thing out into the room. And the defining moment of that year with regard to my being the same age as my mom had been was something I kind of took into my own hands a little later in the year. So I'm a distance runner. I ran
1: the New York City Marathon that year. Good for you. And I- My distance running is from here to the kitchen.
0: (laughs) There you go. Um, Well, it's not a small apartment. So (laughs) (laughs) um, I had been wanting to run the New York City Marathon. It's actually, it's really tough to get a spot in the New York City Marathon. And a good way to get a spot if you're not an elite runner, which I am not, is to raise money for a charity. So I ended up raising money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and running the New York City Marathon. And I think to earn your spot, you commit to raising like $3,500 or something, but I raised $13,000. I got into running in college, and then I started running marathons a couple years after I graduated college, and I've been fairly consistent with it since then. It's something I enjoy doing and i've been relatively successful with fundraising when i've done it and as we've covered i'm not a philadelphia sports fan but i'm a philadelphia we know yeah. Jamie. but i'm a philadelphia <laughs> marathon fan like one of my favorite days in the city of philadelphia is the marathon i just love that and this is the only time you'll ever hear me say anything good about new york city i swear <laughs> <laughs> new york city marathon is an amazing amazing experience and again i whether you're running or just out there cheering It is 26 miles of people who are just cheering for you. I didn't care about my time in terms of how many minutes a mile I was running. I wanted to like high five all the people and have a big smile on my face. And I just wanted it to be a party and a celebration. I did have on a, a tank top that said American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And on the back, it said that I was running for my mom. And a couple people acknowledged that during the race. And of Aww. course, it felt important for me that year, especially to the year I was her age. I think actually, as it turned out, the race was two days before my birthday when I would turn 34. So it was actually the end of, the that, year. of right, that year. The culmination of that year. Right. It just felt right. And even though my mom wasn't a runner, she did in the last handful of years of her life, she actually got really into going to the gym and she did a lot of, this was like the mid 90s or the, the 90s generally. So aerobics were really in, mm-hmm. step aerobics was a thing. Those like leotards that actually look like thongs. Yes. That you, Terrible. Uh, amazing she,
1: neon colors. Yeah, she totally had
0: like all of those things. And she got real into that. She got real into like doing weights at the gym and she was like buff and she was really serious about it. You know, my running was something she would have been out there cheering, you know, and uh, I think that I've always drawn that connection, The you know, training for a race and just getting in shape and all of that stuff. I think she would have really connected with so. That always felt good too.
1: That's very cool. Yeah. That's very nice. I think that's a nice way to be able to have that memory of that year too, to look back like that I asked you that question and that's what you went to and that was not what I was expecting. So that's very good that you have that. What advice would you give to somebody who's grieving about what they should do to help them cope with their loss? I
0: think first of all, you just don't want to take up too much time and space in your head of thinking of what you're supposed to be doing or what you're supposed to be feeling. Like sometimes people feel like they're not sad enough or mm-hmm. like they're too sad or- This is actually, know. I
1: you're making me remember something that you had said earlier that I wanted to come back to. You said that your parents had- taught you this really great work ethic and to Mm. work hard and to go after things, but it was something that maybe could have had a negative effect in the sense of you need to be a little easier on (laughs) yourself. And this is kind of in that same vein. Mm. I felt that that is something that I learned. I had to learn the hard way Mm -hmm. in my grief process that I was super hard on myself. I should be doing this. I should be feeling this way. I should make sure that this is done. And it's just, you just can't when you're grieving and when you're in that space. Right. So do you feel like that's something you had to learn as well? I think so. I think
0: that on one hand, given the age that I was, all anyone that age really wants is to feel normal. For the most part, we're all just trying, and you're trying to like find your tribe, right? Find your people and Mm -hmm. affiliate and all of that. So the last thing I wanted at that time was to like be different because of this whole situation. So I think I wanted to just... Blend in and be like everybody else. But then there were certain ways that I wanted to, like, maybe not be like everybody else or feel like I was an adult. Or Mm -hmm. I probably just tried too hard to just blend right back in Mm -hmm. or something, or continue to be the kind of student I had been or something. And nobody would have blamed me to, you know, need to take a moment Mm -hmm. from all of that. I also think that, like, it can look a lot of different ways for different people. And you know and you know this because in your other episode you mentioned how as you and your husband were getting ready to get married you had both recently lost a parent and you had to grieve in tandem but also give each other space yeah. for that you know and i think that's probably something that people that's a very unique experience that you guys had but in families even when you've just lost one person mm-hmm. it's going to look a lot of different ways and feel a lot of different ways for different people absolutely you know yeah and I think it, it will look and yeah. feel a lot of different ways for yourself. Right. <laughs> like Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. Like, 100%.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Also just like giving everybody yourself included a lot of space around that. Like one day, maybe you just need to like watch the movie you used to watch with that person or watch the thing, whatever it is like that reminds you of them. And then another day you want to just read or you'd want to write about the person or you want to tell a story or something and you know in the emotions around all of that might look Mm -hmm. look different. And another day
1: you want to not think about it at all. The other yeah exactly so. Yeah so allowing yourself to sit with whatever it is that you need at that time. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Tell me about your career. You are a creative writing instructor. Mm -hmm. You were always a writer. Was this something that you always enjoyed doing? I liked writing since I could write like since I was in like
0: first grade or maybe earlier, I don't know, but I remember really liking telling stories. I actually have my first journal my mother gave to me, actually. Wow, Uh, what a
1: special memory. I know. Yeah,
0: I have it, actually. I actually recently unearthed all of my journals, in part because of some writing I'm getting ready to do, but I have a journal. I think she gave it to me when I was nine years old. She gave it to me for Valentine's Day, and she inscribed it, and she said, you know, happy Valentine's Day. This is because I love you and you love to write. And special. yeah, and I still have that journal. So writing was a thing for me, you know, the whole way through. I did in the years after my mom died, not immediately, but a little while after maybe about a year after I did start to write about it a little bit. You know, I wouldn't say a word to the therapist, but give me a journal in an English yeah. class. And it all came out. How do you feel that yeah. that helped you? As I think of each of these moments, whether it was that eighth grade journal or a few years later when I was in a creative writing class and I wrote a short story, meaning fiction, or summer program where I started writing some like memoir type stuff about my mom's death. Each of those experiences, I think of the teacher, you know, and I had these great teachers who I'm still in touch with all of these people. They can't get rid of me. And then I became so a nice. teacher, you yeah. know, I think first and foremost, there's those relationships that I was able to form.
1: That's true, because writing is such a personal thing that you're really letting somebody into so much of who you are, even Mm -hmm. if it's not a story about yourself, but your style of writing or the, you know, how deep you go. And even if it's not a story about this horrible thing, you know, that Mm -hmm. happened to you. So you're creating relationships around that with the people that you're working with it on or the people that. You're letting into it by reading it. Exactly. So that's yeah. true. That's a good point. In
0: each of those scenarios, there was this interest in kind of bearing witness, like wanting to put my story out there. I was, you know, ready in different ways at those times and other times to say, This is my story. This mm-hmm. happened and this was to the extent that I can tell my mom's story. This was her story. Something I haven't mentioned, my mom also lost her dad to suicide. Really? Yeah. yeah. And um that was long before I was born, but she was a little bit older than I was. She was maybe, I don't know exactly, but I want to say she was maybe 14. And um, I know very little about that whole situation. My mom never really mentioned it to me. She never mentioned her father to me. And that was one of those things because of the way I grew up and because of the kind of kid I was, I knew not to ask. And but
1: 14 is still, I mean, still you might as well be the same. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. You know this is not something that really has ever been talked about a lot in my family, so I just go on podcasts and talk about it. but uh <laughs> but I can't help but think about the fact that my mom, for whatever number of reasons, wasn't in a position to tell her own story. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that if she had the same English teachers that I did, that everything would have been fine. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying that that was something that was really helpful and important to me, and I think that there were some things that Maybe she could have had, but just didn't for any number of reasons or wasn't able to find. There is something about all of this that's about breaking cycles, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So you and I have a little bit of a similar story. Very, very different, but also very similar. So now not only are we both only children, but my situation is three generations in my family that have all died at the age of 63, all of a heart attack. Wow. Wow. So I've told my husband, don't throw me a 60th birthday party, throw me a 64th, right? (laughs) And that is something that I say so much is that I am trying to do this very different because I want to break the cycle. There's clearly something that's going on there. And it's been one of those things that has been just incredibly enlightening, but torturing. But I mean, just a whole mess of this positive and negative. It's like, I get it now. I get yeah. where some of my dad's anger and sadness and sure, yeah. where all that came from, or his inability to just process some things. Now, granted, he had some other issues and sure. he wasn't perfect by any means, mm-hmm. but to understand now, like, yeah, this is really hard. <laughs> right, right. This right. is really, really hard when you yeah. lose a parent. Sure. And it just makes me understand him a little bit better. It's Mm -hmm. one of these things I'm like, dude, I wish you would have just told me. Like I wish (laughs) you would have helped me understand and we could have fought through this together. But yeah, these generational ones are, are really interesting to go through.
0: Yeah. And even us talking in general about grieving and grief and what it can look like at different times and you know, what do you do with the person's stuff and how do you remember them and how do you, you know, all these things, plan your wedding, all this stuff. But When I think about all that, and I take it all kind of for granted at this point, partly because I've had so many interesting conversations and I've read a lot of stuff. People who've gone through this have written. And then to remind myself that my mom was someone who was part of this club, as we'll call it as well, and didn't communicate about all of Mm -hmm. that. And again, I'm not saying that if you don't communicate about it, you're in my mom's position. That's not, there's a lot of factors there. And there are a lot of people who've Maybe gone through loss and don't necessarily need to have a podcast or need to write right. essays. But there
1: are different ways to process. Right. It doesn't necessarily that, need to be communication. Right. Some people may use running or may right. use exercise or may use yeah. some way to treat themselves mentally, physically, emotionally right. for it. To just ignore it is not. Yeah. Gonna and help. even writing
0: doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to be for anybody else. Sometimes people who study writing or do their own writing or teach writing can forget that not everything has to be publishable. Mm -hmm. Or even if it is publishable, it doesn't have to be published. Mm -hmm. Like You can do it just for yourself. You can tell one story at one point that's going to be told. I started writing about my mom's death when I was probably... Thirteen years old, and mm-hmm. you know she died when I was twelve. That writing is going to look
1: a lot different than if I were to do yeah. it now. You know, this is all really good advice, yeah. and, and probably stuff that you share with some of your students. Mm-hmm. What are some prompts that you will give to your students to have some interpersonal reflection on themselves, or something to really encourage good communication? Mm-hmm.
0: I have a lot of my students read. There's an essay about writing called Reflection and Retrospection. And it's by a writer named Philip Lopate, who actually was my teacher when I was in graduate school. He talks about in that essay, this idea of what he calls the double perspective. Mm -hmm. So what that means is when you're writing about yourself, you're writing from the present day, right? Who you are on this very day, there's that version of you. And then there's also the version that you're writing about, right? So you could have 37 year old me today writing about 12-year-old me when my mom died. So part of my job in being 37-year-old writer me is to tell you, the reader, what do I know about 12-year-old me that I didn't know then? Okay. So what you have to think about is, what do I know about this situation now, given all the life I've lived since then, all the conversations I've had, all the reading I've done, all the research, all the whatever, and just time in itself. And then part of what you want to unpack is, when did I realize that and why is it important and why is it important that you know this, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, I'm picturing like giving a reader a 3d picture of something Mm -hmm. like taking something that's just two dimensional of this is me at this age and then giving it that third dimension of saying, and this is what I know about it now and what I can say about it. Yeah.
0: Part of the reason I write is to actually reach people who haven't had this and to have to give them some insight that either teaches them about me, but Ultimately, you want to teach your reader about their
1: own lives, even if they haven't been through what you've been through. Mm -hmm. So To get them to see things in their own lives differently. Exactly. So important. Yeah. Yeah. I think connecting
0: with other people who've gone through loss, whether they've written about it or not, or whether it's the same kind of loss or not, all of that is like a worthy cause, and that's probably why I do a lot of the stuff that I do. I also think this other goal is important too of like saying here's how this really extraordinary thing you know extraordinary doesn't just have to mean good it can just mean like crazy thing that happened to me here's how it also applies to our everyday lives you Mm -hmm. know
1: and the one thing i want to get back to that you said that i think is really important to remind people especially people who are you know not professional writers or it's not something that they do every day but they may want to pick up the pen or the laptop or whatever their weapon of choice Mm is and get started in something like this is that there's no right or wrong way. It doesn't need to be published. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's just your own feelings. It can be something that maybe it is very freeing to be able to share with others. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's something that you can't necessarily communicate with the spoken word, but Mm -hmm. just getting something down on paper helps you to tell others how you're feeling. Also, I found for me, it kind of helps me tell myself. Yes, how I'm feeling. Right? You know, Things just start coming out mm-hmm. that I didn't even know, or for me to be able to go back and see something can be really helpful too. I'm getting ready
0: to start writing. I haven't been writing in a long time because I've been teaching and grading papers mm-hmm. and you know, doing all that stuff, which I also love, but kind of draws from the same energy well. So I haven't been doing my own writing, but I want to get back into my own writing. So I'm rereading all the things I've written so I can, first of all... Oh, that's got to be cool. It's like weird and cool and terrible. <laughs> 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 like Some of what I was reading today was probably written 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago. There are things I've written about my mom and related topics that I would not remember if I... Yeah. Because um, a great thing about growing older is you
1: forget everything that happened to you. (laughs) Which is a a big thing with grief. I mean, that's something that comes up with everybody that you, um, not only, I mean, my brain was like actively forgetting things because I wanted to forget the trauma that I went through of his death. But also that I think that's a very common thread among people with grief. Oh my God, am I going to forget about them? Right To be able to write these feelings down or these memories down Mm -hmm. of them is just such a treasure to be able to have later on in life. Like that
0: could be the reason to sit down and write something or, you know, going back to that double perspective idea, me writing about my mom in 2006 or 2007, that was still 11 or 12 years removed from her death. And I was 11 or 12 years older, but that's going to be different than me writing it now, you know, 12 plus years later. So it's also, I think there's something to be said about just getting a snapshot of where you were at, at a particular time with everything or what kind of stuff you were remembering, giving yourself permission to do whatever kind of comes to you, whether it's like, sometimes you might just like make lists of things like, here are a bunch of great memories. Here are a bunch of bad memories. Here are a bunch of things I didn't want to say to anybody when this first happened, Mm -hmm. you know,
1: here are a bunch of things that I said that I didn't mean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can start small. I remember one of my favorite pieces I wrote was like about my dad's hands. Yeah. I don't know why I was just like trying to sleep one night. And for some reason, all I could think about was like Mm -hmm. holding his hand and remembering what it felt like. And the next day it was like, I needed to release that because Mm -hmm. I was so scared of not being able to sleep again that night with those thoughts. And I wrote this whole essay just about this one part of him and it, same thing, you know, maybe in a few years from now, hopefully not, but I won't remember the specific details about what his fingernails look like Mm -hmm. and anything like that. This is very thought provoking. I I really like this conversation because as I was saying, you know, me realizing that the grief that my dad had experienced himself is something that is totally changing my perspective on him now that I'm experiencing grief myself. Yeah which would have been a totally different view than I would have had of him prior to his death. Sure. Yeah. And as I spoke with my last guest, Jessica Hurst in the last podcast, about becoming a parent and that totally changing your perspective mm-hmm. and just saying like, as I get older, I start to, Feel differently about my parents and see what they've gone through. Like you were saying, you realize now, like, oh my god, twenty one was so young, right, right, right <laughs> to right. have children. Yeah. So that's interesting. I guess maybe there's some writing I should do now before the years that I'm a parent, because sure. my perspective on him could totally change again. Right. So to right. and then again, maybe as I get to older years right. and the year that he passed. So right. The double perspective is that what yeah, you said that was called. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I like that some good conversations here. Jamie Lee, I can't thank you enough for being here and for coming. Is there anything else that you would want to add or that we didn't touch on? I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot of it. Good. All right. Well, Dead Parent Society podcast hosted by Jamie Lee that can be found on iTunes. She reviews writing from other people and Mm -hmm. they sit and have a conversation around it. So check it out. You can get some ideas on where you can start with your writing or some things for you to write about as well. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to So Sorry for Your Loss. Check out the blog at www.giannademedio.com slash S-S-F-Y-L and connect with me on social. You can find it on the site. Thanks.